When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back. Double cover, double cover, double cover. Mama, we made it. The network picked us up. Well, we're like established. We, we need the signs that says like clap, cheer, laugh. J-Mac here, D-Mac to the right. Welcome to double coverage. Mama, we made it. What's up, everybody? J-Mac here. Welcome to another episode of Double Coverage with the McCordy Twins. It is extremely sunny here in South Florida. I'm upset. I had to close the blinds. I know a lot of the viewers are in the Northeast. And I wanted to make it special and be able to give you the beautiful scenic background of palm trees, a pool that you usually get, you know, your little 30 to 40 minutes time to get away. But the sun was blocking my beautiful face, so we couldn't do it. But welcome to another episode. You guys know where you can catch us iTunes, Spotify, all of those podcasts and streaming sites. All you have to do is search double coverage with the McCordy twins and make sure you subscribe and also check us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at McCordy twins. You will find our face there. You will also see Deb's face other places as this guy seems to want to be an actor. I saw him starring in the new NFL commercial. He just posted another commercial with Dan O'Brien and his cars that are everywhere where he's giving out safety advice. Dev, is, is, is this your next kind of what you're letting us know? I mean, Bill just was gushing about you, but are you getting ready to move on to an acting career after this season? What's going on? For one, let's not skip past how you started. Uh, we get it. You guys won four straight. Yeah, you know, oh, good job, good job. But don't. No, you guys, don't... Aren't, you guys aren't the only team in the AFC on a roll. I mean, no one talks about us, but... You guys aren't the only team who's on a winning streak, you know? Yeah, as Bill would say, you know, eight games aren't going to win you anything. And how many other games you guys won, are, it's not going to win you. So no one really cares about the role. But I could tell that's where, like, you're, you're, at, you're up here right now. Um, but on a better note, Sunday we had snow. So you enjoy that sun and all of that. But my kids were hyped when they saw the snow coming down. So everything's good over here. And... No, I just like to show my versatility. You know, I had to, I did a Dan O'Brien commercial with uh, Larry Guy and Kyle Van Noy, two terrible actors. I also did a commercial with Van Noy. Van Noy wasn't bad. LG was pretty bad, though. I will yeah, say I mean, LG but, was pretty bad. Uh, well, you know, Kyle was better because we did the Duncan commercial back in the summer, and I really, you know, gave him notes and helped him out. So you could see his little improvement. Uh, but both guys, I, I just felt the need to carry uh, the whole thing. Um, but no, I'm just out here having fun. Got some free time in the off season. You know, family gave me a little bit of break. So uh did those things. Nothing big, nothing small. You know, it just is what it is. And I, I don't know about this whole Bill uh, Bill stuff with, you know, people have been texting me and, and what's the name. And uh, I don't pay attention to all of that. You know, don't you know how it goes. Ignore don't, the noise. It's pulling in the feel, building. Don't feel the hype. Hey, spoken like the true patriot that you are. We usually don't start the show in college football, but Michigan beat Ohio State. 
Uh, our older brother, huge Michigan fan. I saw a clip on social media where a guy was literally in tears about Michigan beating Ohio State. The first time Jim Harbaugh has done so in hey, his and career. If, and if you're wondering, we have no idea why our older brother is this huge Michigan fan. Like, still to this day, I have no idea what the connection to Michigan is. Uh, please go on. And... With this win and the work that Harbaugh has done this season, he will receive a $500,000 bonus Woo! and has come forward and said any bonus money that he receives will go to Michigan employees who lost money kind of during the pandemic and had to furlough and all of that other stuff. I mean, it's Christmas coming up, the holiday season. It's about giving, doing for others. And Jim Harbaugh is doing it. That's an awesome gesture by him. Give it up for Jim Harbaugh. I, I, I just, I had to mention that. Yeah, I wish I had like a little noisemaker so we could really give it up. Or if we had like a live audience, they could make some noise for Jim Harbaugh. Shout out Jim Harbaugh. I think he also realized, you know, a lot of people thought Michigan would fire him a couple times. They stuck with him. And he was like, you know what? Michigan Athletic Department, you show me love. I give you love in return. And I think I think this is awesome. We got a bunch of Michigan uh, guys on our team, and, you know, they were through the roof. The Chase Winoviches, the Josh Uches, Quinn Norton, Big Mike. Big Mike's quiet, so he didn't really, you know, he doesn't really. But these other guys, I mean, they were high. I even, I told Taylor Lewan in pregame, as he walked around the field kicking over the pylons, I mean, you played with him. Maybe you know what that's about. <laughs> he, he literally walked and kicked all four pylons down. And I told him, I was like, oh, we get it. You're a little happy because your team finally won a big game. Um, so he, you know, he cracked a joke. You know how it goes with, with Luan. Um, but, you know, the excitement Yo, I'm, through I'm, Michigan. I'm happy. I'm happy you said you got to say something to him. Cause, so I played with Taylor for, I think, two seasons in Tennessee before I went to Cleveland. So we played Tennessee back in Nashville in 2018. And Tennessee ended up, they kicked our butts that game, uh, not to get into all the details. But Taylor had us dying laughing on an extra point. He would say, me and Deb were lined up next to each other, and he was the wing on that side. And every time we lined up, he made a joke about to the offensive line to give us a round of applause. These two guys made it out of Rutgers, and they're actually in the NFL. Who would have thought? So I'm happy that you were able to go out there. I texted Deb before the game and said, listen, I left Tennessee. I played him in Cleveland the year I left. We lost to him in Cleveland. I get to New England. We travel down to Tennessee. We lose to him in Nashville. Then 2019 comes up. They come up for the wild card game in the playoffs, and we lose to him in Foxborough. I text Deb before the game. I say, yo, you owe me one because we had two chances to beat him, and you didn't come through. So he was able to beat the Titans. But I still love uh, all my Titans out there. So uh, good luck to them the rest of the season uh, as well. Thanksgiving just passed, and we watched – NFL Sunday, Thursday on Thanksgiving, every home team lost the game. It's kind of crazy. It's, it's, it's been this way uh, since 2018. Do you, I, I think something about it though, like if you're at home, you're the one who's planning for family to maybe come in town, having to hire someone to do the cooking because most players aren't doing the cooking themselves, or your wife or your girlfriend is stressed out because you got your cousin Ray Ray and them and this person and that person, and you got blow-up beds at the crib, and you're doing all of this stuff, and you're just stressed. And maybe that is alluding to some of the home team defeats 
on Thanksgiving. I've never played on Thanksgiving. Dev, you have. You won that game, had two picks in Detroit, I remember, and the butt fumble, too, in New York. What are your comments on Thanksgiving Day game? It's weird, too, because at the end of the day, it's just it's a Thursday game. And on the converse side of that, the Thursday night games have really proven to be more successful for the home teams uh, because of the short week and one team having to travel to the other team, which, you know, kind of takes away a day with the travel. So it's very interesting on, you know, I remember playing Atlanta a couple weeks ago when you guys had just played Baltimore. Baltimore traveled to Miami. You guys really dominated that game. And I remember going in our game, the talk was how hard it's been for the road teams to go on the road Thursday night. And then you fast forward, you know, the next week, it's Thanksgiving, but it's still a Thursday game. And you saw the away team sweep the home teams. And I think it, it does have something to do with what you said of just overall, not just players, coaches, everyone's going through the holiday time and you have to deal with it. I know everyone talks about ignore the distractions, and, but like family is family and Thanksgiving is a time to be around your family, embrace and do all of that. Does it distract you? So I, I don't know, but it's very interesting of you know, really the same day. If you keep your same routine going to Thursday, you would think the home teams would dominate, but it just doesn't happen. Um, a part of that has been really Detroit hasn't played well over the last couple seasons, and they always play on Thanksgiving. Um, so I think that, you know, kind of skews it a little bit. Um, but, you know, I think nonetheless, you have some entertaining games on Thursday, you know, on Thanksgiving, tradition throughout our country. Enjoy. And I think it's it's great for betters to always bet these different odds. Uh, so I know they enjoy Thanksgiving. NFL on Thanksgiving or NBA on Christmas? Which one are you rolling with? Um, I'm going NBA on Christmas because there's so many NBA games. But Christmas what? Day, it, Christmas Day, just listen to this. Christmas Day, they pick out the games that you most want to see. So it's like... No matter what game comes on, it's usually a Boston-New York type of rivalry or it's the best two players in the game, uh, the, the Kevin Durant versus LeBron James or the KDs versus Stephs or, you know, the LeBron James versus Kyrie. Like, we've always had some dramatic thing in those games where Thanksgiving is just, it's, you know, it's Detroit and, and uh, Chicago or but, a Saints-Buffalo. Like, there's nothing still, to the, those. The Thanksgiving games, though, you can vividly remember – Different guys taking huge bites out of that turkey leg. There's something special about Thanksgiving Day, whether it's the Lions, whether it's the Cowboys, when you had two interceptions on Thanksgiving. Like, those games, I feel like, are memorable. You'll look back and be like, man, do you remember that Thanksgiving game, game where such and such happened or that happened? Do you remember that Thursday night game on Thanksgiving, the Cowboys and the Raiders? It was down to the wire. Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, back and forth. Oh, man, Amari Cooper had COVID that game. He couldn't play. Those games, I feel like, are featured games. And it may not always have the top teams in the league at the time, but those games are special and they're talked about in that way. I feel like in the NBA, it's just one of 82. Like, yes, it's a Christmas Day game, but we don't look back and be like, oh, do you remember that Christmas Day game where Steph Curry went for 60 points? Nah, because you don't really remember it because they play on Monday, Tuesday. Th they play every day of the week, no. and it's just like – Hopefully this game, you get the superstars ready to play. Like, who knows over on the 82 where somebody's going to have a rest night or like, hey, you know what? Like, I'm going out because it's, it's Christmas Eve. So, like, Christmas Day, like, my game's just not going to be as strong that day. No, I think when you think back, you know, Cleveland and, and, uh, and the Warriors had a 
great game that went all the way down to the end. Kyrie hits a tough bucket over Klay Thompson a couple years ago. Like, those are the type of matchups that we've gotten used to seeing. We've gotten used to seeing the juggernauts of the NBA play. So even if you only watch the playoffs, you watch on Christmas because you know those are the games. Most of the time, we can't remember who plays on Thanksgiving other than we know Dallas plays somebody and Detroit plays somebody. But but that's about it. You know, it's not always the great games that you want to see. It's not the guys that you want to see in those games. And yes, sometimes you do get a great game, but you don't know that coming into it. Those NBA games, you know when you sit down, unless barring some, you know, big injuries or something, you know you're, all right, this is about to be a game. We're getting two of the best teams in the league. Whereas on Thanksgiving, we don't know. We like the traditions of Thanksgiving, you know, I think take over where it would be very interesting at some point in the NFL if they're like, you know what, we're just going to make these Thanksgiving games with some of the biggest games that we think. Maybe they start flexing them at some point. I don't know, but I think that will be a very interesting thing if they change that up a little bit and didn't always make the same teams play on Thanksgiving. I, I think it would, you know, it would change. But I, I kind of like the tradition, but I, I think they should change that up a little bit. Yeah, you're still a sellout for going to NBA over the NFL. Bonus, should we throw college football in there on New Year's Day? I, I, for me, I don't really no. watch as much college as I used to. I, I, I do think it's special, but I'm not putting it on par with – because, I mean, you don't know – you don't know, like you said, you don't know what teams you're going to get. And then, especially nowadays, because – and this is a whole other discussion. Because nowadays, who knows if your team's best player is even going to play in that bowl game. Yeah meaning that he's not going to be in the college playoffs or whenever those uh, those games fall. Because now it's like, man, I got to get ready for the combine, for the senior bowl, whatever the case may be. Hold on, Especially, hold on, hold on. Go ahead, hold on. Go ahead. You said if your favorite player. The coach might not be there. <laughs> Forget the players. The, the coach might have already accepted a new job, and he's out recruiting. He might not even be there for the, for the bowl game or the college playoffs. No doubt about it. And I think when you speak about not knowing what you're going to get from certain games, even the NFL this past week, watching uh, the Ravens and the Browns go at it. I saw Andrew Hawkins tweeted watching the Ravens and Browns game. He's looking at the game, and it was kind of an ugly game. And he was just like, this was the kind of game I was expecting to get from, uh, I think it was the Houston Texans and, uh, and maybe the Jets. the Jets who were playing. Yeah, and that, that game was, was a good game. And he's just like, I was expecting this, and I'm getting this from the Browns and the Ravens, the Ravens who were one of the best teams uh, in the AFC. And then even um, the Monday night game, you watch Washington and Seattle. And I think we've come to when we watch Russ and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and we're expecting this. Explosive offense, and then DK has one catch. And yes, as an offense, like, oh, we got to find ways. And obviously, defense comes in, we're like, we got to shut this guy down. But mm-hmm. it's just, I think that's the crazy thing of the NFL. Is just you never know what kind of game, what a team's going to make it into, how do they match up. And Washington's a team that's a little bit on a roll right now, too, a three game winning streak. And they're trying to get things rolling and be able to make a late playoff push. Yeah, and I think that's. That's why we love sports. You don't know what you're going to get. It's always going to be different. Um, but that is what sports are. That's why people are fans, because you will root for your team no matter what, through thick and thin. And I think you see that. I mean, look at that Washington game. You, you got Ron Rivera walking off the field, and he is hyped. He's getting a crowd going, walking off. And those fans, they're riding high. You know, you beat you – beat, Three to the better teams, you know, I know Seattle's record doesn't show that, but they're they're a tough out anytime you beat Tampa. Like, you're playing good football right now. You beat Carolina 
in Carolina with Cam. Like, so it's fun yeah. to watch uh, a game that I think a lot of people probably figure, well, you know, when they put that game on the schedule and, and people looked at it earlier this season, I like, well, Washington will get killed and Seattle will win. And you look up and you're like, well, Washington's playing great football. So mm-hmm. uh, you got to love how the season ends and playoffs start to come in because you're going to get everybody's best shot at this time of the year. Real football starts after Thanksgiving. You guys coined it. Uh, you played with Cordero Patterson in 2018 in New England. We both did. What makes him so special? How is he able to have the success? Because you look at him, you look at Debo Samuel. Uh, CP had over 100 yards rushing. Uh, Debo Samuel had, three, I think, three rushing touchdowns uh, this week. Is the game changing? Wide receiver slash running back. These guys are doing it all for their teams. Yeah, I think the game has definitely not changing, has changed with guys just having extreme versatility. I mean, I think yeah. one of the biggest positions, you just look at a tight end position. Like you look at um uh you look at all these different guys, whether it's Waller, whether it's Kelsey, uh I know Kittle plays in line a little bit more than these other guys. Um, but you look at my man from Atlanta, the the rookie that just came in. Uniform. Uh, yeah, th- these guys are everywhere. You don't know, and now you look at uh, CP, you look at Debo, these two guys, when you played them, you already know, you was like, man, we got to do a good job tackling. They get the ball in their hands, a quick throw. And then the team's like, you know what? I'm just going to put them at running back. I don't have to worry about throwing them the ball. And it's been fun to watch. Not always fun to play against because of how you have to game plan. Uh, as you know, Jay, everybody, when you're on, out there on defense, your coach is going to signal what personnel. You want to know how many receivers are in the game, how many running backs, so how many tight ends. So tough. And now you see in, you know, 11, I remember we played them and we prepared as if CP was playing. It was like 11 light, you know, because we're like, you know, the tight end, he's, he's like a receiver, also a tight end. And then we had a C at the end. So you knew CP was going to be in the game probably at running back. So it's, mm-hmm. it was a, a very different week to try to game plan because Debo and CP are just special football players. Now, every team doesn't have one of these guys. These guys are not normal. So that's why you don't see it on every team. But teams that do have these guys, it's fun to see the offensive coordinators get creative and say, I'm not going to label these guys. I'm not going to put them in a box. I'm going to use the weapon I have, and I'm going to unleash it in so many different ways. It's going to be hard for you to stop. Yeah, what you said, the versatility of certain guys has evolved the game. Because I think what you made was a very good point. CP would come in the game when we played Atlanta, and there would be times where we just counted him as a running back. So there would be times he'd be in at running back. But in the very next play, especially as a secondary, when we're out there and there's two tight ends in the game and there's two receivers or there's one receiver, and it's trying to match up, letting the corner know, like, hey, no, CP's the other receiver right now. you got to stay on that side and cover him. And the same with a guy like Debo Samuel. Where do you count him? In the offense, and it's just not on the offensive side of the ball. You look at now, especially when I turn the film on and I watch you guys play. You see guys like Adrian Phillips, Kyle Duggar. These guys are sometimes playing a half field, playing safety, or even like a Jamal Adams. But then there's times these guys are dropping down in the box, and they're basically a linebacker. Now there's times a guy like we're just going to stay in New England. A guy like Dante Hightower, he lines up at middle linebacker, and he's calling the defense. In the very next snap, he's down on the line of scrimmage, and he's involved in the 
rush game. When you have guys that have this level of versatility, it's not only hard to game plan against offensively, but it is defensively as well. Being able to know, hey, when I call my plan on offense, all right, they're in this personnel, but I'm thinking, all right, they're in the lighter box. They got their nickel in the game, but then next thing you know, the nickel lines up at safety, a safety drops down in the box. So it's just, it's evolved the game so much. And the good thing about it is giving different guys opportunities to make paychecks. When you have a tight end out there that's playing like a receiver, you now have to have an extra DB on the field to cover this guy. I mean, even our game this past Sunday, I'm watching Stephon Gilmore is matched up on Mike Jacecki on third down. So that's just crazy to see, hey, we have our tight end who's being covered by one of the best corners in the league because of his ability to get open and make plays for us on third down. So like you said, the game is evolving enormously, and it's even hard to keep up with all the passing and receiving records because when you look yeah. back at the Marinos and the Aikmans and all of those guys back in the day, Steve Young and those guys, their passing records are going to be killed by guys that are coming out now because look at Pat Mahomes. I mean, he's thrown the ball so much early on in his career. As he stays healthy and continues on his trajectory, he's going to blow a lot of these records uh, out of the water. So it's definitely uh, evolved the game in, in, in a crazy way. But, man, let's get into our group chat a little bit. Uh, sad news uh, in the in a, uh, designer world as uh, Virgil Abloh, Passes away, has been fighting cancer. Uh, they said since 2019, has decided decided to fight it privately. Uh, kind of same as Chad Bozeman, a Black Panther, uh, to see to lose these two guys who were just instrumental in creativity, being able to just give us something to look forward to, whether it was a movie, whether it was a new pair of off-whites coming out, uh, clothing, sneakers, just being able to change the game and do something kind of genius-like in our lifetime. It was very, very impressive to watch. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, what you said, it, it's fashion, but it, it's really been about the whole culture. I mean, you know, just in the weight room working out today and hearing Drake in one of his songs saying Virgil, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, when he says that right away, like, you know who he's talking about. So now here's a guy who's making clothes, making shoes. Oh, but he's also a part of the rap game. Then if you just look on the field in the NFL, you had guys doing their cleats, custom cleats, and it'd be an off-white looking cleat. Um, and you're like, oh, wow, all right, we're seeing Virgil's designs on the football field. Then you see guys wearing his sneakers on the basketball court. So it's involved in sports now. It's in music. It's everywhere. And I think for the culture, um, it's been sad to lose some of these icons um, who, you know, I think have obviously had a huge impact on other people's lives. But it's also been so inspirational to see a guy like Virgil just dream big. Here he is, mm. you know, a designer. Louis Vuitton. At some point, people were like, man, you're crazy. And then you look up, he has a partnership, like you just said, with Louis Vuitton, with Nike, uh, with Converse as a part of Nike. His own brand, Off-White. Like, you just look at what he was able to build. Uh, it's remarkable. And, you know, I, I saw someone saying, I think we've said it a couple of times on this show, the sad thing is sometimes we don't give those flowers to people until they're gone. Um, and I think now you're going to see so many people kind of look back and realize what he's meant. Um, even from the time he was diagnosed with cancer, now that we found out, find out in 2019, what he did in that stretch. You know, it didn't stop him. He did it privately and he just continued to produce and produce and produce. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how these companies and different people handle um, his passing with the whole resale and all of that thing. I saw that's a hot topic now 
what how that will play out and mm-hmm. um you know you go on stock x i can't imagine right now with you know some of his shoes and different things that were already expensive i can't imagine now what people are trying to hike those prices up to um but it just again it's a reminder of the type of impact he had on our culture and our world um not just in our country but around the world uh the impact of somebody like him had and he was always traveling and being in different places um so you know prayers out to his family who you know going through a tough time um mm-hmm. who don't always probably worry about what he meant you know to other people but just what he was as a person um the impact he had on their lives so um you know big shout out to to Virgil and what he's meant to the community um and really the inspiration uh, he has been and will be for so many young people um, as they grow and chase their dreams as well. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And uh, getting a little bit back uh, into football, um, the Atlanta Falcons uh, have said, I saw Arthur Smith said uh, the other day, really no update on Calvin Ridley. Don't know where that's at. He was eligible to come back off IR uh, this past week, but didn't do so. And uh, we haven't said it before. He's going through his own personal time, personal issues, took time off uh, to address mental health and just to deal with things off the field that he has to deal with. And we kind of hit on it a little bit before, but I feel like the season's at a different point. You know, Lane Johnson and Philly took some time off early in the season, had to figure some things out, and then he's back with Philly and trying to get things rolling there. How do you think teams are going to move forward? Because Football starts after Thanksgiving. So when you're a team and you're looking to make your playoff push and a guy like a Calvin really, you're not speaking specifically about him, but just in general, probably your best player on your team, huge chunk of your salary cap, and he's taking time off, healthy taking time off as far as a physical standpoint, but mentally needing that time away. How do you think this evolves in sports? Because I know for me personally, I think it's one of those things where like here early on, everybody's saying and doing the right thing. Like, yeah, like we support this player or that player taking care of the things he needs to do mentally. Uh, We're right with him. Whenever he's ready to come back, we're going to welcome with open arms. But this thing isn't going to continue to be that way. There's going to come a point in time where teams are going to hold that against you. Next thing you know, you're you're, you're coming back off of taking Mm -hmm. some time off and you're going to be asked to take a pay cut. Well, hey, like you're injury prone and we're not, you might have physically been healthy, but we're going to kind of, put that all in the same category you're going through some things but hey, we don't know if you're going to be there on Sunday I do like at the end of the day we haven't seen it even from college football this past week with head coaches Jetson to go to new teams this thing is a business no matter how you slice it, and people will care about you to a certain extent but it's a production league and I just I think uh it's going to evolve to the point where I don't know if there's going to be people are going to put clauses in contracts or there's going to be a fine. There's going to be something where teams are going to do what they need to do to get guys on the field. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's it's definitely it's having an impact on a team, um, how you game plan, what you need to do moving forward. Um, and I think it is a reminder. This is a business. That's what people ultimately care about. People's livelihood is on the line. Um, and I think as a player, your livelihood is affected by what you're going through mentally. And you've got to take care of that. So um, I would just encourage guys not to care about that. Like if you're not right mentally, what happens next won't matter because you're going to continue to struggle. Um, but I think it's also an understanding of there's a lot of people in our world and in our country who go through mental illness and they have to show up to work because their family mm. needs that. Um, and I think that's an aspect of the real world that makes 
mental health so important because nothing else stops. And that's why sometimes mentally you have to take time and, and get your mind right um, because no one else is going to stop what they're doing. And if you can't kind of regroup, reset and be good, you know, I think everything will start to steamroll on you. And, you know, it, once it becomes that snowball and it's rolling downhill, um, it's hard for anything positive to happen. So um, I think it, it's great to see the, uh, the coaches and different people um, supporting a guy like Calvin Ridley. Um, but I think, like you said, we got to make sure we keep that same energy to support these guys. Even if things change in contracts and all that, I think the personal support from the people that, you know, deal with you directly – you know, yeah. the training staff, the players, the coaches, like they know you as the person. And I think we always talk about this. Matthew Slater um, always talks about the relational aspect of football. How huge is it? How huge it is to have good, healthy relationships with the men and women in the building, um, because ultimately that's what it's about. It's not about the championships you win. It's about the relationships and the process and the journey that you get to uh, go step by step with, with other people. That that's what you're gonna remember the most. Um, and you want to be mentally healthy to do those things. So uh, again, we we just you know send out our best wishes to Calvin Ridley and all the other players, non-players, people that deal with mental illness. Well, we all deal with it. Um, but people that are struggling with it, that you just we hope that you seek that help uh, to be okay and, and continue on with your life. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we'll get a little bit more into Lincoln Riley and, and Brian Kelly. But I just want to hit on a specific detail in Brian Kelly's. Like, I, don't, I know you guys don't use the Teamworks app, but I've used it in, in multiple teams that I've been on. And the Teamworks app is just basically an app that you're able to send messages out or schedules out within one given app. So one person doesn't have to text 80 guys to say, hey, team meeting tomorrow, whatever the case may be. So Brian Kelly, uh, which sucks is it was on Twitter, the exact message and everything that goes on, but sent a message to his football team uh, the night that it came out that he was leaving Notre Dame um, for LSU and just said like, hey, going to be leaving, going to have a squad meeting uh, the next tomorrow morning at 7 a.m., blah, blah, blah. I hate that it had to come out this way. As a player or just in general, do you see an issue with that? It's tough, man. I think we talked about this uh, in the group chat of what is the right thing for him to do? It was already out there. Um, you know, I think when, when we were playing, there was no team apps in college. Uh, Teamworks app, um, but we all received a text from you know one uh, from. Well, you you uh, you remember though that night, uh, yeah. the uh, NewJersey.com. Tom Lucci, he was on ESPN on the phone like Shiano's leaving, he's going to Michigan, and this was all before. So this was in what 2007 or something Seven, like that. Yeah. Social media didn't even exist at that time. Like there was no Twitter, just Facebook. Or, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like. And Facebook had just really came on the scene, so there was no one was getting their news update that way. And even back then, like, news was breaking as it was happening. Yeah, and uh, like we talked about in the group chat, you can't, you can't kind of give your guys a heads up, like, hey, I think I'm going to be leaving, and then it doesn't work out with the other school because then you got to come back to your guys and be like, gotcha, I'm not leaving, I'm staying. And now they're looking at you like, but you were leaving. And now you got a whole other thing that's going on. So um, I do think the I think college football needs to come up with something that allow, you know, these coaches to maybe interview and do different things. Um, but I think it's very hard. And I think 
I don't know how much we should allow coaches to be able to go and accept jobs and leave right before the last game. I think that's really rough um, for a coach to sit in the living room of a player and tell him like, hey, you're going to be here for four years. I'm going to support you. You're going to graduate, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. And then just like that, before your season's even over, you're gone. And I think that is, I think that's tough. I think we teach the younger generation uh, the wrong thing. And, you know, I think we've heard coaches complain a little bit about the portal and guys being able to just jump and leave. Um, But, you know, they don't complain about, you know, signing these new deals that get you a new house, access to the private jet, you know, these huge 10-year contracts. Like, no one complains about that. Um, and then you look up and you see some of these college coaches getting better, getting paid better than these NFL coaches. Um, and I think, again, it shows – I know we got the NIL and all of those deals that help college players. But, again, it shows how disproportionate it is in college football and college sports that you have a sport that generates a large sum of money – but the people who help generate it don't get paid. Uh, yeah. So then what do you see? The people who can get paid just get more get and paid. more and more. Exactly. So, And I um, think it's tough, too, because both of them come from teams uh, that are doing really well this season. <laughs> like Notre Dame, I think, is like they have one loss. Oklahoma has two losses. And as a player, like, we sit in here and, like, we're chasing this national championship. And we're still in contention for it. And like you're leaving. So it's just like, I think, and I think that's the biggest difference for me as I watch it. As when we were at Rutgers and we thought Shannon was leaving, and at the time you, you would be hurt. But when you look back, you're like, man, if Shannon were at Rutgers and if he had the opportunity to go to Michigan, like, man, like at the time, like that's a big love, that's a big step up. Like you, you get it, not only financially, but also resources and, and different things that go into that. And that's no different than a lot of the schools. Like you see guys start, uh, PJ Fleck, who's in Minnesota, was at Western Michigan and took the job. So you kind of understand. I think the tough thing here is like when you see uh, coaches leaving like a Notre Dame or Oklahoma to go to schools where it's just like, they've outperformed the schools they're leaving to go to, and they have a chance to win a national championship at the schools they're at. Now, obviously, I know more goes into it than just that, but as a player, you sit there and you're just like, man, like, we could do it right here. Like, why are you going there? But it's, it's, it's like you said, it's part of it. you gotta, <laughs> you got to deal with it and, and, and roll on. Yeah, why are you going there? Then you see the details of Lincoln Riley's contract come out, and you're like, oh, I get why you're going there. $6 million house to access to the private jet. Hey, coach, if you ever need an assistant, hey, sign me up. Sign hit me, me up, up, coach. I'll fly with uh, you. Let's go. Hey, I, I hear that. <laughs> Cleveland Browns, another dad speaks out. Kareem Hunt, dad speaks out, says some things about Baker. Is this an issue? Like, is, is does this mess up? I've never dealt with, like, since being in the pros, like having to deal with someone's dad, like I felt like if someone's parent was speaking up, it was like they were more or less bashing the organization because somebody wasn't getting paid or put in while they were injured, whatever it was. This is a different dynamic, especially because it was two guys on the offensive side of the ball. It's interesting. I know I remember back in uh, the 2011 season, we go to the Super Bowl and we lose to the Giants. And I think like a camera caught Giselle, you know, um, mad after the game and saying, like, my husband can throw it, but, like, the guy's got to catch it. Something along those lines. And I remember it was, like, the headline for, like, two weeks. And as far as I know as a teammate, as again, I don't play often, so I wasn't directly impacted. So I don't know any private conversations. But I know as a, as a team, as we came back the next year, 
it wasn't a big deal. Like it, it, it wasn't a thing at all. Like we got back to being in there performing and doing what we need to do. Um, but being this is the second time and Baker plays quarterback, the the position that if you play well, you get all the credit. If you, if it's not going well, you get all the blame. We all know that, and that's what's going on right now. I think it's tough to see for him as a guy that's out there. You know, he's playing hurt. He's trying to do his best. I think it's tough for your teammates, fathers, to come out and say those things because you don't know how your teammate feels. You know, you don't understand and you don't know. Like, hey, man, are we good? Is this just your father? Do you feel like this too? So. Um, a lot going on in Cleveland, and you know I, I think they'll have to decide and work that out in a way that you know Baker feels comfortable, but also that like Kareem Hunt, you know that he feels comfortable. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens like, going forward. I don't feel like it's a big deal. Like as a fan, you're allowed to say whatever you want. If I'm not mistaken, Kareem Hunt is from Cleveland. His dad could be a lifelong Probably. Cleveland Browns fan. So <laughs> that's like, true. If he thinks if he thinks Baker shouldn't be playing hurt or stinking it up, and he wants to say that. I mean, it's not his fault that his son's really good and he happens to be in the NFL. So if I have something to say, no different than the thousands of fans who go on Twitter after every game. For what reason, I don't know. And just talk horrible about a guy as if, like, he's the worst person in the world. Uh, it's just it's, it's part of the territory. So I think whether it's Baker or whoever it is, it sucks that it's somebody's dad, but it is what it is. I mean, look at my, my guy, uh, the Ball Brothers. My guy LeVar mm -hmm. was always in the media saying something, <laughs> and I was just talking to somebody about uh, LeVar Ball, and as crazy as people want to say he is, he had two top five NBA draft picks and another son who's playing in the developmental G League. So, I mean, as a father, he was doing something right, and yeah. the person I was talking to was just like, yo, to be honest, do you think if LeVar's not doing all of this speaking, hey, he might have helped his guys go higher in the draft? Now, some people might say, ah, if it wasn't for him, they might have went number one. But, I mean, you talk about being an impactful father, being there for your kids every step of the way. I mean, this guy has put three sons with an opportunity to make it in the NBA. Like, that is insane. Like, so, I mean, fathers are going to be fathers, you know? Yeah, and, you know, like, speaking of that, Lonzo and, um, and Melo, they, they went at it, you know, <laughs> in the NBA, head-to-head. -head. Big ball. Triple B sat back like this and enjoyed he enjoyed watching his sons. And I think that's what Can't it's about. That. So watching those guys go head to head, brother, brother, brother. Just, I, I thought it was great. You know, Don't just sing. seeing that. It's okay. Uh, just seeing that and seeing what they were able to do. Again, we talk about inspiring, inspirational. We talk about motivation. That's what they gave a lot of young kids who were brothers and playing uh, the opportunity to do. And the last thing I want to hit on before uh, we move to the Dan O'Brien keeping it awesome moment of the week, the Major League Baseball are close to locking out. The lockout, I mean, I know you remember the lockout. Lockout got real. You know, when they say lockout, they mean no buildings are shut, no uh, no assistance, nowhere to train. Uh, what do you remember about the lockout? I don't know. Major League Baseball is a little different. Uh, long games, long season and all of that. Um, what do you remember about the lockout back in 2011? Yeah, that was just uh, – I did uh, my rookie year and then uh, off season, then that next year uh, the lockout hits. And – uh, looking back, I actually was able to play a long time. So that time off was just like, wow, it was pretty cool to train where you want and do those things. But looking back at it, like going through it was difficult because you just, I remember coming to the league in 2009 and all they talked about was prepare for the lockout, prepare for the lockout. And I think what some people don't realize is that 
you're locked out. Like as, as players, you're not saying like, yo, I'm not going up to the building. No, the doors of the stadium facility are closed. You are not allowed in. You lose your health insurance as well. And I know there's a lot of people out there like, hey, I don't have health insurance either. But for us, you're trying to train and get ready for the season and risk the, uh, the chances of getting injured knowing that you don't have the health insurance to cover it. So it was all, it was all just crazy. There were different guys who were running out of money and they're going to the union for money. And the whole nine was just like, save your money, save your money. So for me, I just remember it just not really knowing what was going on uh, but knowing that from the people above me, uh, the history of the league of what was being told to us, it was just like, hey, this is something we have to go through because, and I think sometimes it gets kind of confused with like, hey, you have millionaires begging for more money and, and the whole nine. And it's just like, I hear that side of it, but realize the people that they're arguing with are billionaires. So it's not like they're trying to take money from the less is just that, hey, like we're playing a game where as players we go out there and play, we risk injury and all of these these other things. And it's just like, hey, we're just trying to get our piece of the pie. So it was all part of the process. But the lockout sucked, you know. The time off was good, but just that the unknown, not knowing when you're going to have to show up. When yeah. you do show up, what's it going to be like? Are the games just going to start? Are you going to miss training camp? And that, that whole process uh, was tough. Um, just not knowing what was going to happen, I think made it made it really tough. And there's no money coming in. As long as you're locked out, you're not you're not getting paid. Yeah, I, I agree. I can I agree completely with you. Um, a, a tough situation that I think all those players will have to navigate and figure out what are the next steps. And hopefully their PA has kind of drew that out for them and let them know, like, this is what we're going to do moving forward. Uh, wish all those guys the, the best of luck. It's a fraternity out here in the pro sport. So I uh, hope no those guys are all, all doing well and know what they need to do next uh, if this indeed does happen uh, December 1st. Yeah. And now let's get into the Dan O'Brien keeping it awesome moment of the week. Who you got going, Dev? Uh, I got a combination. I think big shout out to all the Michigan guys. I give the Michigan guys on our team a hard time always making fun of them for not beating Ohio State uh, over the last couple of years. Jim Harbaugh first went against Ohio State. And then one of our, I think the one I love the most, Dick Vitale back in college basketball. Diagnosed with cancer back in October, I think it was. Uh, goes through chemo. Called his first game. Super emotional. Uh, I, yeah. I just thought it was awesome. Dick Vitale keeping it awesome. Moment of the week. Uh, best it thing awesome, about baby. He, best thing about college a. basketball. He's a diaper dandy. You gotta love that. No doubt. No doubt about it. And winning and losing the weekend. Losing the weekend are the kids at Notre Dame and Oklahoma. They're heartbroken. They were told for the kids, in their man, living rooms. Do it. They were do told it for the in kids. their living rooms at 18 years old, come join our Notre Dame and Oklahoma family. It is just one unit. We're going to love on you guys, help you become men, blah, 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 blah. And the winners of the weekend are Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley. Go get paid. Take the private jet. Let them buy your house. Take the $15 million a year. Screw them kids. Go get paid. You guys have won the weekend. So who? that's kind of tough. So, you know, the situation. I, no, you're right. In all situations, as my mom would say, somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to lose. 
So I'm that's how my kids that now. That's how the cookie they go crumbles. Crying, they lose the Uno game. They go crying. I'm trying to get them to understand. Somebody's <laughs> got to win. Somebody's got to lose. You got to learn how to do both. And thank you guys. You got to learn how to say hi. You got to learn how to say goodbye. So we want to thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Double Coverage with myself, J-Mac, and D-Mac over there on the other side. You guys know we're coming to you each and every week. Make sure you check us out on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Double Coverage with the McCourty Twins, and check us out on social media at McCourty Twins, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We will see you next week getting ready for Christmas. Have a good one.